We are so looking forward to hearing from Swelly. He always brings the truth and um, he's funny also and just so relatable and incredible down-to-earth man who loves God and I know he's going to encourage us. I said that, put you out of your misery. Do you get nervous before you get up to speak? Of course. I do. <laughs> Everyone yeah. does, yeah. It's always nice once you're up and it's done. Absolutely. Anyway, thanks, Swelly. No problems. You can have that. <laughs> put me out of my misery. It's probably very true. <clears throat> um, as always, it's an absolute pleasure to, to be able to speak to you with you. Um, and I thank you so much for Sarah and Josh. They gave us a break at the end of last year where Kath and I had loads on. And um, I love that they have wisdom to be able to give you a break when you need it. So thank you for that, Sarah and Josh. No, my life's really quiet at the moment. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, let's crack on in today. I've got a lot to cover today, and I hope that um, it sort of brings some encouragement to you. I'm not going to probably, I didn't get time to sort of get the scriptures up, but then that just stops you from watching me read them incorrectly, so I can read them myself. I'm going to be bringing most of today's story out of Exodus, okay? Um, so we're going to start in 14, 10 to 14. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord, they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out into the desert to die? What have you done to us to bring us out into Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would be better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Then Moses answers the people, do not be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance of the Lord will bring today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord will fight for you. You, will ne- you, um, you need only be still. Yeah. So this is pretty much the story I want to talk to you about today. Here's Moses in the crux of his leadership. Yeah. Probably doesn't get more pressured from where he is at the moment. And I really think that there's been a theme over the last couple of weeks Kath, a couple of weeks ago, talked about um, do, I, do we limit the blessings that God brings to us? Perno, a couple of weeks ago, spoke about the same story, just in a different part of it, and about holding back you know, us walking into the promised land. And again, Sarah speaks so well last week about having deep roots because we carry something really significant. And I really think that God is conveying a message to us at the moment about how do we walk into the next season. Yeah, I truly believe and again I think as a preacher you sit back and you realize what everyone else is talking about and you're like wow I really am talking about what I probably should okay so for my part that I'm going to play today I'm going to really try to look behind the story of Moses and what is going on here today and yeah I might get carried away a bit and um, again I usually ask a lot of questions and don't give you many answers but that's okay and again you probably thought talking to me you think today why do we want to talk about Moses parting the waters isn't that like talking about the Titanic I know that it went down and I know that's what was going to happen. But I really want to get behind the story today. Start to look at some of the characters and actually the mentality of the Israelites and what was going on. And I really think it's a real privilege to read out of the Old Testament, okay? You really get to see the nature of God. He worked in a very tangible way in the Old Testament. And again, but when I first started reading the Old Testament, probably like a lot of you when you first come to church, you just think, man, the God of the Old Testament, he's bad, he's spiteful, man. He just seems to wipe people out. You know, if you don't sort of like what he's doing, you're gone. And I really want to sort of look at that today because it says in Romans 15:4, for everything that has, was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, they might bring us hope. Yeah? This is why there's the Old Testament, the scriptures, all these things. We can learn 
what had happened to these people in the past and apply it to ourselves today, yeah? And if there's anything that I see when I look around is lack of encouragement and lack of hope, yeah? The thing that distresses me most, and in my job I see a lot of bad things on a daily basis, the thing that distresses me most is I see people without hope. They just have nothing, yeah? And I think, unfortunately, we have educated ourselves into a cynical stupor, yeah, in our world, yeah? I think that sometimes where we think we've advanced so far, sometimes I think we forget what's most foundational, yeah? As always, I'm going to tackle some big subjects, okay? And again, I think so much of what goes on in the Old Testament echoes um, what, what happens with Jesus in his life. And again, I think it's a great thing to learn. So if anything from my talk today, I hope I inspire you to get back into the Old Testament and read some of the stuff that goes on there. So why was Israel, why was Israel in such a bad way? Why were God's people oppressed and in slavery? Was it because they had turned their back on God and what he had chosen for them and what he should do? No. They were in the position they were in because of the blessing that God had provided them. Yeah? They had a blessing that was promised to them and spoke over them, and that's why they were where they were. So we pick up about 400 years after Jacob, okay, and his family of 70 were taken into Egypt under the protection of his son, Joseph. Remember Joseph and all the ups and downs? He became second in charge in Egypt, so he brought his family there and he sort of put them there, okay? And in Exodus 1, 6 to 7, it says, Now Joseph and all of his brothers and all of the generations had died, but the Israelites were exceedingly fruitful. They multiplied greatly, increased in numbers, and became so numerous that the land was filled with them. Yeah? Now this was a promise that was given to Abraham. Remember the promise that Abraham was given? I will make you fathers of nations. And again, that echoes back to the Garden of Eden. Yeah, the Garden of Eden was where you were, we were dwelling with God and we were supposed to go forth and prosper. Then that got broken. We must remember that we're in a broken world. This is not the original design. Sometimes when you look around and people get all wound up with the world, we've got to remember this is not the original design that God wanted and he's trying to make ways for us to bring it back to the way it should be. Yeah? But the current Egyptian king, he didn't really see these Egyptians that were flourishing everywhere as a good thing. Okay, in Exodus 1 to 12 to 14, he says... But the more that we oppressed them, the more they multiplied and spread. So the Egyptians came, um, so became, they came to him with dread about the Israelites and they worked them ruthlessly and they made their lives bitter with hard labour. Yeah. So this is where we pick up the story. The Israelites were made into bad, their, their lives were being oppressed and they were um, in a really bad place, yeah? And I think sometimes in our life, as we follow Christians, as a Christian, it can be very challenging. And sometimes our blessings can become some of our biggest problems. How many people here have their blessings have become their biggest struggles? Yeah? Sometimes the things that you're like, yeah, you might get that perfect job you've wanted. Then you realize how much pressure that job gives you, okay, and the provision it gives you. You may have a talent and you may work really hard at making your talent really good. Then that makes people jealous of you. Some people are born with beauty. Like myself, I've learned to deal with it after many years. <clears throat> Don't be laughing so hard. That, way, that was way too quick and you laugh way too hard. We have wealth. We have wealth that may wind someone else up, yeah? We all may not think we don't have much wealth. You go to some place around the world, we are exceedingly wealthy. And again, some of the things that are meant to be a blessing for us can be a burden for us as well, yeah? <clears throat> but are our lives meant to be easy? Keep that in the back of your mind. So things got even worse. So if the, if the slavery and the oppression wasn't so bad in Exodus 1.22, and there's a great story about the midwives, the Jewish midwives, like not doing what was told to them by the Egyptian. Please read the story. It's awesome. 
But basically it says here, the Pharaoh gave the order to all of his people, every Hebrew boy that is born must be thrown into the Nile and every girl let to live, yeah? So this is the time, this is what was going on. And I think the problem for us is that we think oppression is a bad thing. Some of the biggest growing churches around the world are where there is the most persecution. And my friend told me, and he showed me this sort of story the other day about there's many times where you can watch where the Christians are persecuted and move out of an area and then a war comes to that area. Yeah, There's many things, all the things that go over in um, Israel and Palestine, a lot of those things, you can see things that go, that go on. Okay? And the early church started because it was persecuted. If you think about the apostles, the only reason they spread the word is because they got so oppressed and they were forced out. And again, Jesus is only who he is because he suffered. And he asked us to join into his suffering. So sometimes I think we should stop worrying about what's oppressing us and get on with it. Yeah? And there's nothing more toxic to evil than an authentic, upright, faithful believer in God. Nothing more toxic, yeah? And that's how come sometimes you will carry, as Sarah said last week, you'll be carrying something precious. For unfortunately, though, for many of us, in the pursuit of the good life, it is morphed into us not working. Yeah? Have loads of money. That's where our good life is. Our good life is where we don't have to work anymore. And unfortunately, that's an illusion, yeah? The real good life is down in the trenches. So Israel called out to God. Well, he didn't actually call out to God. They actually, God noticed how bad things were for them, and he answered them. So in the midst of this oppression, God births a saviour, someone to come and save his people. Sounds a bit familiar, doesn't it, to the future, yeah? So who does he send? Who does he send to his blessed nation that are being oppressed and to save them, yeah? Um, this person has to sort of save millions of people. He has to speak to kings and he has to manage great wealth. Surely he would send a faithful, upright person. Who does God send? He sends a stuttering murderer who was a runaway refugee who pretended to be someone else and at one time God wanted to kill him. Yeah? That's who he sends. <clears throat> so let's have a good brief look at who Moses was. Yeah, and again, there's a lot I'm going to summarize here, so please have a look at it in more length yourself. But this is the man God chose to actually send, okay? Sometimes it's a bit hard to relate to Jesus, isn't it? I love Jesus, and his life is obviously my standard that I try to get to, but you always think he's always going to get it right. Sometimes I like to read about some of these old guys because they were really sort of challenging, you know? And they were a bit flawed, a bit like me, you know what I mean? And again, so... Let's pick up the story. So this saviour was born in, so Moses was born into a time where males were being killed. So even for him to be alive was a miracle. His mother hit him, but then she got so worried. But again, due to the toughness of his mother, she puts him in a, um, a basket and sends him out into the river and just hopes and prays to God that something will happen. As a parent, I can't even imagine that, yeah? Okay? Insane sort of prospect. But again, a miracle happens, and a, the Pharaoh's daughter finds this baby. Yeah, and she's a sympathetic person, obviously doesn't want to do what her father's actually saying. And again, we have to remember sometimes, every time we think things are so bad, in the oppositions and enemies' camps, there are people who are believers. There are people that are faithful. Yeah, so don't always think that everything is bad. Okay, and who remembers who brought Moses up? Who brought Moses up? His mother. Great story, it's a sermon in itself. Yeah, so this, this, the baby goes out, the Egyptian um, daughter finds it, the Pharaoh's daughter finds this baby, asks one of the, his, her maidservants, can you get someone to look after this baby? I'll pay you to look after it. Sure, I know. Someone gives it back to its mother. 
Yeah? What an amazing story in itself. But this child is brought up as an Egyptian child, though. Though he's a Jewish child, yeah? So he's brought up, and, he know, and this, the mother knows that she has to give this God back one day. <clears throat> so again, he was brought up an Egyptian, but he was an Israelite at heart. And this tension boiled over when he got older, okay? Because he lived a bit of a double life. And one day he saw his fellow Israelite being beaten by an Egyptian, and he killed this Egyptian, yeah? And he looked around and thought no one had caught him, but he got caught, okay? And then he found out from the people that he'd been seen, so he fled, yeah? So he did the wrong thing for the right reasons, yeah? Has any of us ever done that? Done the right things for the wrong reasons? For the wrong reasons, sorry? Done the wrong thing for the right reasons? So he flees, and he flees into exile. But again, through a kind act, he's picked up by a family, a priest, and they, he lets him marry one of his daughters, this priest thinks he's actually an Israelite, I mean, is an Egyptian again. So again, he's sort of living that double life. But anyway, they take him in, he marries her, and they're sort of going along okay, okay? But again, sometimes I think, do we pretend sometimes when we are out there? Because um, one of the biggest criticisms of Christians is that we're not authentic. So sometimes I sort of think, do we just live one life and then out there live another life? And I've come to the conclusion a while ago that if you're going to cop flack for being a Christian, you may as well go all in. Yeah? yeah? If we're going to cop flack for being a Christian, then you may as well do it the best you can because there's no use doing it half job. Yeah? yeah? <clears throat> all right. <clears throat> so he's in exile. God comes to him. A burning bush that doesn't burn. Great story in itself again. Please read the story, okay? So God comes to him. And says to and reveals him and says, This is who I am, and I want you to take you to the land of milk and honey. Okay, I want to take my people out of slavery and take them to an even better place. And there's another thing where he says that that he will turn the hearts of the people to the to the Israelites and they will give them all the wealth that they should have been paid for being slaves. So when they actually leave Israel, when you actually watch that story and they all leave, the people had given them, they become ridiculously rich as well. And this is an important point because I think God doesn't only save you, he then actually takes you to a better place. Yeah? So he says that, you know, so, and we have to remember that, that when we're in those real hard times and we're thinking, oh my gosh, what is going on? That at the end of the day, God will take you from that place and not only that, he will take you to a place you didn't even think you were going to go to. Yeah? Sorry, I've lost where I'm up to. All right, so he comes to, to Moses. Was Moses ready to go? God revealed who he was, said, this is who I am, crack on. Is Moses ready to crack on? Not in the slightest, mate. He goes, he just comes up with these list of questions. Well, so what am I going to call you if people are, who, uh, say who I am? Yeah? And it says in 13, 14, which I love, this is a great saying from God. God says to Moses, I am who I am. That's it. He says, I'm the father of, you know, your father, I'm the God of your fathers and all that. But the reality says, I am who I am. Is that enough for Moses? No, not really. He asks another one. Yeah. <clears throat> what, what if they say that I didn't really meet with you, God? Do you know what if they didn't say? So what does God do? He goes right out. What's the hand? A staff? Pick it up. Pick it up, throw it on the ground, turns into a snake. Yeah, put a hand in your sort of cloak and it comes out and it's withered. Put it back in and it's sort of okay. Get water, throw it on the ground and it'll turn into blood. Again, these things are very significant for the Pharaoh that he was going in front of. Yeah. But God make, gives him all these signs and things that he can impress the sort of Pharaoh upon him that I am the God of who I say I am. Was he ready then? <laughs> we pretty much know, isn't it? Exodus 4.10. 
He says, Moses said to the Lord, pardon my servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow to speech and tongue. So he's, he's a stutterer. He sort of can't really speak very well for himself. Yeah? And then he says again, please send someone else, Lord. Please pardon your servant, but please someone, send someone else. Yeah? Are we like Moses? Do we have to be convinced of God's love over and over and over again? Or are we people who just sort of believe what he actually sort of says? Because <clears throat> God will equip us if we sort of believe what he actually says. So then the Lord says, this is what he says to him, then the Lord burns with anger against him. Yeah, he's had enough by now. He says, I've given you so much. But then he says, again, he sort of goes, I will give you your brother Aaron, the Levite, let him speak for you. So again, he actually gives Moses, you know, God gives Moses someone to help him. He gives him, and again, this starts a tradition. This, um, Aaron starts to be the priests and the prophets that again sort of go with the kings throughout history then. But the reality is God will always provide someone for you to be with you. Even if you can't do it, he will provide for someone to be. Again, which is a great reason for us to be in church. So God says to them finally, the coast is clear. All the people that were going to kill you, Moses, crack on and you should go. He gets the blessing of his father-in-law. So he finally gets it. He's like, yep, I'm going to go and do it. He's going to go and perform these wonders in front of Pharaoh and again to release the firstborn. This is the way God talks about Israel. My firstborn son, these are the people of my people. And then the most extraordinary thing is said in the Bible, yeah? This is in 424. And at a lodging place on the way, the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. Finally sets him up, finally gets it, equips him, and he's about to kill him. But Zephyrah, his wife, this is, took a knife and cut off the foreskin of, and, um, and touched it on Mo, of his son and touched it on Moses' feet with it. And surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me, she said. So the Lord did not left him alone. Sounds strange, doesn't it? What? Yeah? But why was this? What was circumcision? What does it represent? It represented that you were God's people. This is what was given to Abraham. This is a sign that you are God's people. So God's saying to Moses, you're going to lead my people, then you need to walk in my ways. You need to know who you are and you need to know that you're an Israelite. And again, he'd been living in a foreign country, so he'd taken on foreign ways and he hadn't done it. So I think though he had a heart for his people, he needed to walk in his ways. And it's the same for us. If we're going to say that we're Christians and stuff, we need to walk in his ways. Yeah, sometimes people get a bit etchy about this. No, you know, God's love, it's all okay. We need to walk in his ways. We need to know what his ways are. All right. In summary, so who was the man that God sent to bring out millions of his people? He was an unwilling, stuttering, identity-confused, murdering, murdering criminal who was in his 80s. Did you realise he was 80? <clears throat> but he was equipped by God. Yeah, but he was equipped by God. And I think when he was going to see Pharaoh, he was bringing two things. Yeah? The first thing was that he was going to show the Israelites that their God in Father was alive and he was worthy of worship. And the second thing was that he was going to show the Egyptians gods were nothing. Yeah? Now again, the persecution by the time Moses came was even intensified even more. Okay, there's, and again, you can read about it. And this is where we talk about the ten plagues, okay? And I'm not going to go into them. I don't have enough time, but again, please do. And again, when Moses does this, he addresses um, something about the Egyptian gods every time he does this, yeah? There's a great um, symmetry in there, okay? The Egyptian gods were like many pagan cultures. I'm just going to read in here for a minute. 
and they were, worshipped a wide variety of natural gods um, and attributed their power to natural phenomena they saw around them in the world. Yeah? So there was a god for the sun, a god for the river, a god for childbirth, a god for crops. Yeah? So again, when, even when, if you look at the first plague that he's brought where the Nile is turned to blood, that actually goes against and brings to account three of their gods. Okay? Asp, which was the god of the Nile, um, Oris, who was the god of the Nile, and Kurm, who was the protector of the Nile. The second one about the frogs that go everywhere. That's about fertility. Okay, so if you, again, if you look at all the plagues, they addressed something about the Egyptian god. Okay, and I think there's some interesting things I want to quickly look at here, so which it says in 722. But the Egyptian magicians did the same um, things by their secret arts. So for the first couple of plagues, their Egyptians did the same, they're, they're, the Egyptian kings... Um, servants did the same things. So did Pharaoh believe? No, because I've got guys that can do the same things. That doesn't impress me. I can do the same things. <clears throat> but could they really, yeah? No. They had limited sort of power. And again, some people will actually say they just sort of mimic things. But again, I think out there in the world, there is sort of limited power with these things. And again, the, there is knowledge that sort of seems great and there are sayings that seem amazing. They float around Facebook all the time. Fantastic. Well, that seems really good. Until you actually look at it, I think many of these things are a shadow of the truth. Okay, and the second part of this, though, is that... And so when his, his people performed these magical arts, and then it says, And Pharaoh's heart became hard, so he would not listen to Moses, just as the Lord had said. Now, this is a big concept I want to have a quick look, a little look at, because it says later in the Bible, when um, God is dealing with Moses, that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Yeah? A lot of people sort of have a real problem with this because they sort of think that God... So did, God, did Pharaoh have a choice? Did God just set him up, raise him up to sort of strike him down? Did he ever have a chance of what to do? And I want to briefly look at that concept because I think it's an important thing to get a, our head around. So I want to look at three things. First thing is free will. God has given us free will and he will not violate that. Yeah? Pharaoh, Pharaoh chose... His actions, he chose what to do. Even when God demonstrated with him with great power that he could speak in his language, he still said, no, I don't want to do that. And remember, he was not an innocent person. Yeah, he was killing thousands of people. This is my little analogy. Again, do what you like. I think life is, and free will is a bit like getting a bike, a push bike from God. Yeah, He gives it to us to ride. He doesn't control us on how we ride it. And again, we certainly don't go back to the manufacturer if we fall off our bike. He may give you improvements along the way and he may even give you a new boy, bike if you commit to his team. But it's still your bike to do whatever you want with to ride it, yeah? You can ride it each day, you can put it in the shed or you can win the Tour de France. Yeah, God gives you this life to do what you will with it, okay? The second thing is God's judgment, yeah? The reality is if we're going to say that God is good, then by definition he has to judge things that are bad. He has to judge the wicked, yeah? He has to judge things that don't fall within what he, sort of his expectations. And again, we all fall short of God's expectation. So then we're judging his judgment. That's what we're looking at then. And again, let's look at in Exodus 6, 6 here. Therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them and I will redeem you as an, with an outstretched arm and my, my mighty act of judgment. Yeah? So he's a God that has to judge. That's what makes him good. And again, later in Exodus, I think God, for one of the first time, reveals himself in 34, 6 to 7. And, he's, and, and, and it comes to pass in front of Moses proclaims, the Lord, 
the Lord compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love with fruitfulness, maintaining love for thousands and forgoing wicked, um, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin, yet does not, sorry, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. So the reality is God and it is his right to judge things. And the last one I want to look at is God's nature. Okay, what is God's nature? God's nature is love. Yeah. So when it says that he hardens his heart, and again, remember Pharaoh hardened at first, then God just says, okay, I'm going to harden his heart. To me, that sort of says that he's, he is withdrawing his gracious love. For all of us, we have a chance to get back to God. But I think what he did in his situation, to bring out and to use things that were meant for bad to turn to good, he basically withdrew himself from that. So when I read those sorts of things, I don't get sort of that sort of doesn't trip me up. I look at it and say, this is God being God. Okay, so after the third plague, the magicians couldn't do it. They couldn't replicate it, which I find very funny because the third plague, if anyone can remember, was the gnat, yeah? And if anyone wanted my sermon, it was the power of the gnat, yeah? So this is a flea. So they couldn't replicate a flea. The flea was the one thing that sort of threw them. They couldn't do it, yeah? Now, and again, I think this is the problem when you try to impress people with miracles, yeah? Because the only thing that it does is gets people's attention. The reality is walking out our faith is a thing that actually shapes people not just the things. So the, it says, the magicians said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart had become hard and they wouldn't listen. But I think it's interesting that the third thing it was was the, you know, the little flea that got there and they couldn't re- reproduce that. And sometimes I think if you look at Pharaoh, he surrounded himself by people who wouldn't challenge him. Yeah, even his advisors he wouldn't listen to. And are we the same sometimes? Do we surround ourselves with friends and people that only believe in the same as we do, who don't challenge us? Again, we should be around people who challenge us. <clears throat> so again, each time he was offered a way to get out of it, yeah? So each time Moses came to him and said, this is what's going to happen, he had a way of getting out of it. But he didn't. He just didn't sort of... And again, he said, I want my people to be released so they can go and pray. It wasn't just to let my people go. I want them to be able to go and worship me. Okay, so the last plague, again, this is the most severe. This is about the firstborn sons dying, yeah? But this is mirroring what the Egyptian king had been doing to them over the whole time, yeah? Now, this is where the Passover instituted. Again, though unlike Pharaoh, God gives a way out, okay? The terrible things are going to come, but if you do this, and if you understand who I am, there is a way out. Anyway, the angel of death path is over, and again, the Egyptian son dies, and there was wailing, they said, in, in, throughout. Okay, so under extreme duress, he lets the people go. Okay, and this is what it says so that people can remember. In the days to come, when your sons ask you, what does this mean? You say to them, with the mighty hand, the Lord brought you out of Egypt and, um, and, and out of slavery. Okay, so again, this is things that we should remember. These is, this is what God did for his people. So by the time it actually comes to the story where we pick it up, Okay. <clears throat> By the time the Israelites get there, they, should, they had a clear picture of who God was and his power was and what, the, what God's plan for them was. Okay? And for those who wanted to believe, they could, um, there was convincing evidence that they were serving the true and living God. Okay? And also Moses had learned his trade. He had learned to walk with God. So by the time we get to the story, so let's pick it up. This is where we were, yeah? The Israelites should have known who God was and certainly Moses certainly knew who they, they was. Okay, so in Exodus 13, 17 to 18. 
So when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them along the road um, through the Philistine country, through the, which was shorter. For God said, if they face war, we, they might turn their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people out into the desert, um, down along a road towards the Red Sea. The Israelites went out from Egypt and were ready for battle. Yeah? So God didn't really take them where they thought they were going to go. Okay? God knows when you're ready for a battle, and he knew that they weren't ready for a battle. So he leads them in a way that they didn't really want to go. So God sometimes will take you where you need to go, though it may not be where you think you should go, yeah? And again, it'll bring out his goodness. <clears throat> and again, the Israelites, they thought they were ready for battle, didn't they? They were like, yeah, we're coming out fighting. But God said, no, you won't, because as soon as you do, you'll turn back. Okay, so the next verse in 13 to 19. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, because Joseph had made, had made the Israelites swear an oath. He said, God will surely come to your aid and when sorry and then you may you must carry my bones up out of this place. What a strange thing to have written. Yeah? Why would he say carry some bones with you? Yeah? But this represents remembering God's promise to his forefathers. So Moses remembered what had happened in the future, yeah? And I think one of the biggest problems for us is that we forget what God's promises are and what he's already done for us. Yeah? What happens when we see a rainbow? Do we just see that it's nice? Or do we remember that's a promise from God that he will never flood the earth again? Yeah? What do we do when we see a church? Do we think that this is the rock that he said that I will build my church on, that, yeah, the gates of Hades and hell will not prevail? Is that the way we think about church? Do we think about this church as a place that Hades and hell will not get into? Yeah? Or when we look at a person, do we see a fearfully, wonderfully made person in the image of God that has an eternal purpose? Is that the way we look at people? I think sometimes the biggest problem isn't what God should be doing for us, but it's us remembering what God's already done. Yeah, I'll say that again. I think some of the biggest problems is that we shouldn't be asking, what should, can you do for us, God, but remember what he's already done for us, yeah? I think if we faithfully believe, because if you think about what faith is, faith is believing in what you cannot see yet but remembering what's already been done. So if we think, that's where faith is, and again, we went through a great series with the children. Faith is about seeing things that are not there yet because you know what God's already done for you. Okay, let's crack on with the story. By the day, this is in 21, 22, by the, by the day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way. By the night, the pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night left the place in front of the people, yeah? What better image do you need of God, yeah? He will provide for you whether you need it in the day or the night. He will provide for you. He will guide you, and he will never leave you, yeah? What a fantastic image, but is it easy? <clears throat> so what happens in, in 14.3? God turns them back. So God's leading them out. Woohoo! we're free. What does he do? He turns them back pretty much the way they came, Yeah? And Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around in the land confused, hemmed in by the desert. So though God may lead you and may provide for you, following him is not always easy. Ask some of our leaders in church. I'm sure that they'll tell you about that, yeah? Sometimes it's not easy following where God is probably taking you. 
Sometimes it may look strange. He'll be leading you around in circles and you think, really? What are you doing, God? Pharaoh realizes then what he'd done. He'd let his slaves go. He regrets his decision and he pursues them with his chariots and his army. Um, And again, he looks at them and he goes, how easy is this going to be? They're hemmed in by the sea and the desert. So Pharaoh comes. And as Pharaoh approaches, the Israelites look up. And this is where we see them complaining again. This is where we, the first where I started with the story. So why did you bring us out into the desert? The army's coming and they're going to kill us. And I think to myself, are you kidding? You've had generations of slavery. God has clearly released you from the Pharaoh. Because remember with Pharaoh, all of the, the plagues got worse and worse and the Israelites were protected from them. But they're released and they're guided out in the desert. God's guiding you by day and by night and giving you everything. They had a slave mentality. Yeah? They were controlled by others and other things. Yeah? Do we have a slave mentality? Are we dominated by our surroundings? Are we dominated by what people think of you? What people say you're worth? Does that guide what you do in life? Do you want everything? Do do you do what everyone asks of you? Do do you do what everyone, everyone asks of you? Sorry. Are we dominated by the past? Do we romanticize the past? It really wasn't that bad. Let me go back. That's what the Israelites are saying. Please let us go back and serve. It wasn't that bad. Yes, it was. It was horrendous. But with a broken spirit, that's what you do. With a broken spirit, that's what you do. Or do you believe what God says about you? And it's important for us as Christians to know what God says about you. For a new Christian, is God bigger than your past? Or things that you're natural, the way of doing things. Is God bigger than the natural way of doing things? And for mature Christians, how well do you walk with God? Does he lead you daily? Yeah. Does he lead you daily and do you follow what he asks? Luckily for the Israelites, they had Moses, the steady hand of Moses guiding them. And Moses answered them and he says, it's okay, God will deliver you today. Let's just stand here and be still. That's what we need to do. God will figure it out. So there, so just to give you some perspective of the pressure that Moses was under at that time, they calculated by the time the Israelites left, there was about 2 million people. Yeah, 10 abreast, that would go for about 240 kilometers, which is past Gosford. Think about that many people. That's how many people he was taking out of Egypt with him. Okay? But there Moses stood, faithful knowing what God had done in the past, seeing what he'd already done with him. And again, he was a faithful believer as he stood there. Just like Jesus was a faithful person who went to the cross, though he was, he was concerned about what he was doing, he still did his Father's will. So are we people who stand there knowing that we have done everything we can before we go into places? Because I think around us, we have a broken world, yeah, that has a slave mentality, yeah, that they're distracted and they care nothing for God and they don't really see the need for him. That's the reality, I think, for most of us. If we live, think about the world and a lot of what goes on. We live in a world of people that just have that mentality, that have no need for God. So what should we, what would uh, God say to us? What would God say to us as people that are trying to get out into that world? I think he'd say the same thing that he said to Moses. So then Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your, star, your staff and stretch your hand out over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites may go through onto dry ground. I have provided everything. Do what I've trained you to do. Yeah, I think this is what God would say to all of us. Do what I have trained you guys to be doing. 
Just like Moses, we have been trained and we need to lift our hands. Yeah? Remember, this walk with God is a partnership. God leads and we do. Does that make sense? God leads and we're the people who have to do it. Yeah? And there's a time to move on. <clears throat> then the angel of God, who had been traveling in front of the, the army, withdrew and went behind them. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front to behind them coming between the armies of the Egyptians and, the Israel, and Israel. Throughout the night, um, the cloud brought um, darkness to one side and to light to the other side, so that neither, um, neither could see each other in the night. Again, isn't this an amazing picture, really, of God? Yeah? He basically sort of, not only does he lead you, he'll come and actually protect you from behind. And again, how many of us, God will always provide in the last hour, yeah? How many of us in this room know that God will provide in the last hour? And again, this is another thing, the nature of God. When everything looks desperate and really bad, God will provide for you. And again, we should remember these things that have gone in in the past. And again, God will protect you from your past, and he'll certainly protect you as you go into the future. Then Moses stretched out his hands over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind that um, turned the waves and... To dry and the land to dry land, and the water was divided, and the Israelites went through onto dry ground with the walls of water on either side of them. So it was all night, yeah. All the stories you read, it was oh, there you go, you just opened and it was all done. It was all night, and I like to even think of Moses nearly having to stand here with his arms up. There's some great stories later where Moses had to hold his arms up when they'd gone to battle, you know what I mean? So at the end of the day, he had to still do things, but God will provide. All night it went on. So again, God turns what is meant for destruction, he turns it to good, okay? <clears throat> and I think one of the main things that God really wants to do for us is that, to make himself known to us. One of the things that God always wants to do is make himself known to us. God will train us for the race, yeah? That's why it's important for us to get the little things right. If we get those little steps in our life right, so when big things come, we're ready so we can partner with God. Does that make sense? All those little things, Yeah? And I think the way that we walk in the fullness of what we have with God is that we first need to get a personal revelation. We need to get a revelation of what's God doing in our life. And then we need a corporate revelation, yeah? What is God doing with our group? What is God doing with our church? What should we be doing? Yeah, remember, we represent Israel. Israel represents the people of God, just like you and me do. So how well do we trust our leaders and their visions when circumstances are changing and things don't look sort of the way they should? Yeah? Do we complain like the Israelites or do we actually just stand firm knowing who we are and walking into that with them and holding their arms up, yeah? Remember, we carry something with great value. We carry God within us. And again, I think if we partner with God, we can turn things that were meant for destruction for good, yeah? And that's out in the world. If you, yeah, anyway, we all get the world sent to us on our phones, so we know what's out there. <clears throat> And again, Steve Fertig sort of says that there's a real temptation to send away the very thing God has put in our life. Yeah, it's a real temptation. I don't want anything bad going on in our life. <clears throat> so I think as we enter this world where many people, I think, have this slave mentality, yeah? And God desperately wants these people to be free. And yeah, he, sent, he wants these people to be free so much that he sent his son to die for them. So again, that's something we should again take on our hearts. But there's a real practical aspect when we partner with God, we need to raise our arms. We need to do the things that God puts in front of us. So again, as we step into things, I'm sure God is saying to us, just get on and do it. 
Again, we're a community of believers. Imagine the reports that we should be able to get back on a weekly basis of things that are going on in our lives and in people's lives. So again, hopefully with this brief look at Moses today that it's inspired you to read and look at what has sort of gone on in the past. I think great things have gone on in the past and it's important for us to know. And again, one of the main ways God will speak to you and to guide you is, and to get to know him is to read the book, okay? It says in Romans 10, 14, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the words about Christ. So everything we need to know is in this book today. Thank you so much for listening. Awesome. Thanks, Swelly. That was so good, hey? Let's stand. We're going to sing. I think we might finish with a praise song. And isn't it just good to be reminded, like Swelly was saying, to keep our eyes on God and, you know, what he's spoken and to not let our circumstances dictate to us that slave mentality. Uh, If God's spoken, let's hang on to what he's spoken and press on together exactly as Swelly said. Awesome. We're going to go 